Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. everybody and welcome back to the internal medicine for vet techs podcast thanks so much for listening and making a commitment to learning hope everybody is doing well i'm your host i am jordan porter and i'm joined by the fabulous yvonne brandenburg what up i feel like we haven't we haven't done that full like intro in a hot minute yeah no we haven't (laughs) there's been all sorts of other stuff (laughs) yeah it's been a week i know i'm like <laughs> it's right uh we're next week is thanksgiving which is i know my kids crazy. are off all week too like i remember as a kid like i thought we just got like wednesday thursday friday off yeah i think so yeah no they're off all week wow dang all right i swear connor's only been to school like probably five times this month <laughs> nice jeez well like because i was trying to be like a cool mom and i was like yeah you guys just got good like really good grades like let's take a day off so we've just played hooky one day and then he went back to school like and then he was sick for two days so he stayed home oh and then matt actually got like a weekend off um last weekend and so he was like well hey i'm gonna go visit your parents and like help chop down some trees and clear their land so he took the kids with him and so they skipped monday yes one day okay yeah it's just and then now they're off a whole week and i was like okay well <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy they're off for an entire week mm-hmm. huh. so i am anyway. you know not doing much for thanksgiving so well, i think don't we even know where i'm going i think we decided we're going to do thanksgiving on tuesday this year because like matt always works thanksgiving like morning oh like, yeah at the grocery store and then so I was like, well, I'll work Thanksgiving morning too, because like, why, why not? not? You yeah. know, I'm like, I work from home. It's not a big deal. Um, but then we realized that we both have Tuesday off. So we're like, well, let's just do Thanksgiving on Tuesday. Seriously. Why not? Like, what's the matter? It shouldn't matter. And it turns out that my dad will be here too. So we're just like, even better. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm doing like our Friendsgiving next weekend. So like at the the weekend after Thanksgiving, so um, so that'll be that'll be fun. I always like hanging out with them. Yeah, right. I'm I'm not sure I'm really ready for like Christmas and stuff yet. No, I'm definitely not ready for Christmas, and it's gonna be it's gonna be I don't know. Like normally, I'm not bad with Christmas, but this Christmas I think is gonna be tough because it'll be one year since my dad like passed away so I'm just like oh I'm like worried with my mom she's already kind of like emotional around the holidays so I'm just like oh god okay this is gonna be a rough one um so we'll we'll see how we'll see how things go yeah it's not starting November's not starting off strong for me even though it's (laughs) halfway through yeah because I got two dogs declining and I, like I texted my coworkers and I was like, why is it? Why, why do dogs have to decline around the holidays? It's the cold. Only, the only it's dog, I've, the only dog I've literally ever had to put down. We put down the day after Christmas. Oh, 
yeah so like in my adult life as a kid like i couldn't tell you right (laughs) (laughs) no none of my animals have been around the christmas they've usually been like spring and summer which is weird Okay, well, you had an Evans dog, so spring, I know, right? makes, spring makes sense. Oh, yeah, it totally makes it. Actually, she was in the summer because she was in June. No, July. She was July. Yeah. Because it was the same week I found out about my um, RBT license. Not RBT, my VTS license. Yeah. Yeah. I just like saw it pop up on like my Facebook and I was like, oh my God, that was the same week. It's like, geez, okay, the eventful week that year, apparently. What a what a roller coaster of emotions that week. <laughs> right? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see if we can make it through these holidays for these two dogs. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe through Thanksgiving. So, Jordan, if you did not listen to the last episode with Chelsea Nesbitt, <laughs> might be a good one for you to listen to. Yeah. Right. <sighs> did we you get a chance to listen to it i know you were I have not i didn't crazy it, so. busy so yeah I, I, which is so funny because like i should have had time like my kids weren't even here last weekend yeah but you were catching up on things i yeah well uh, okay so here's another thing though too is like i fell in my garage oh like an old lady <laughs> like slipped because i was <laughs> it's actually funny and i asked matt if we could get cameras because this is a sec like the second significant fall that i've had that would have been nice to see on camera oh god <laughs> and so like i go to run out of my garage because like i shut the like i hit the button and so i'm trying to beat the garage door before it closes because we yeah. have in there and i slipped on some water and fell flat on my back oh no on the concrete. like left leg folded under me somehow like it hurt and so like i thought maybe my toe was broken for a while like for at least a week it's been a week so i think i Dang. think i'm fine um and so saturday i wake up and i was like oh man i'm gonna hurt but like i was like no maybe i skated through this like i feel all right and then sunday and monday i was like oh my god i was miserable i felt oh so bad like i hurt so bad but then I learned about this wonderful device called a TENS unit and oh, I got that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I know Falling. like last weekend I was, I was at my brother-in-law's wedding and it mm-hmm. was, there was, a, there was snow. And so it was just like, don't fall, don't fall. <laughs> Cause everything was very icy <laughs> and I'm, you know, trying well, not to die. Like- yeah you know like as a kid like you fall and you're like it's just part of life and you're like right, you like bounce deal. up like nothing yeah. happened but not, like you, not as an adult no nope. no like as you get older you slowly just stop falling and then like so when you do fall you're just like wow i'm above 30 like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's so true uh, i'm not made of rubber anymore <laughs> like and it's so funny too because like i fell i don't know how i didn't hit my head but like i fell in between a big umbrella that was open and a skateboard and like I fell right in between I was like wow that could have been like more significant than right. what it was <laughs> like it was you know you can just laugh oh, about it now though god yeah getting older again <laughs> right anyway that's the cliff notes version of the last couple weeks yeah yeah <laughs> that's yeah 
I'm ready for I'm ready for November to be over. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. Anyway, we did have an amazing review this week. Uh, last week. Uh the seventh. It's like two weeks ago, dude. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I love the name on this because it's Lasagna from Apple Podcast. So, if well, I- and it's really funny because I sent it to you, and you're like, "Oh my god, the name! Do you know her?" And I'm like, "No." And I was like, "Why?" And you're like, "It's so funny." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" I had to read it out loud, and I was yeah. like, "Lasagna." <laughs> so if you meant to say lasagna i love it if your name is lasagna like liz anya then sorry we're making fun of your name no i think it's an amazing name and i I wish that i could name something (laughs) like that you can your next animal you can call him lasagna because i'm not saying that you're not going to get an animal within the next week but you probably are because i know you that's true i could just name one of the chickens (laughs) <laughs> i did name one of our new roosters fabio because he is gorgeous looking <laughs> like he is gorgeous like he's so pretty and like he's got this crow too because he's starting to crow now i was like man you are you fabio he is good looking <laughs> <laughs> and then funny. like we have another rooster and his name is now hey hey because he just he's hey, derpy hey. he's he looks exactly like hey hey from moana like oh, exactly God. like it and like he does he just kind of like wanders around like he's not really sure what he's supposed to be doing i have yet to hear him crow he's like i don't know i'm fine yeah like he just you know he's just like i'm just here <laughs> so anyway so anyways this the lasagna sorry anyway totally lasagna, got us up traffic <laughs> Your review says, ladies, you are amazing. I've been looking for a podcast to help further my education in vet med, and you are it in all caps. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it, lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun when, when you get those messages and, and like, I don't know why, but you, you guys all like started the beginning and I'm like, oh God, I kind I of want to go back and listen to some of the first episodes to see. Yeah. No, you know, you're like, uh uh-uh. <laughs> maybe maybe what we can do um for christmas we can publish our top two christmas like uh episodes like yeah but those it. aren't really our uh, us <laughs> we'll see we'll figure something out we'll figure it out that's true i mean they're maybe, us but it's not mostly us maybe you can choose your favorite and i'll choose my favorite Ah, oh, crap and then we'll post i'm gonna have to think about this <laughs> okay I'll think about it and see which all one. Right. All right. Okay. Anyway, uh, next month. I know which my favorite is. <laughs> anyway, next week, next month, <laughs> C in December, uh, we're going to be doing Saturday, December 10th, and it's going to be on career satisfaction. Um, join the newsletter, though, and you can get the invite. So internal medicine for vettex.com. We, those are race approved. If you are in the membership already, it's free. If you are not part of the membership, I believe it's $9.99. Mm-hmm. to join the webinar um if you want to come listen to us on a saturday <laughs> right. i was really surprised this past saturday uh none of my dogs barked during the webinar oh i know they were, they were on their best behavior right so this week though on the podcast we are going to be talking glomerular nephritis I'm going to start off strong with saying glomerular, and I'm sure it's just going to get harder and harder and harder as I go through this episode. 
You did um, awesome. I, I I was like, oh, oh. She's... I'll probably just start referring to it as GN um, mm. because it's called glomerular nephritis is one word, but it's also known as glomerular nephritis as two words. <laughs> um, awesome. Great. Thanks. Thanks, people that make up names. <laughs> I want to be one of those people who makes up just a name for something. Just, just one, one thing. Yeah. Just one thing. True. Let's do it. <laughs> patent something anyway glomerular nephritis though what it is is it's like a it's a specific form of renal disease and it's typically characterized by inflammation of the glomeruli within the kidney so we're going to talk about that and it is technically like a completely different kind of kidney disease um when we think of kidney disease we kind of think of like toxin builds up that builds up within the kidneys and causes damage Glomerular disease is more focused around the damage that causes protein loss. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what glomerulars, glomerulis are <laughs> yeah. um, within the kidney is they're tiny little structures in the kidney that filter blood. Simply put, there's millions of them, millions, um, and they're in charge of keeping the blood proteins where they belong which is within the blood. And then it also is supposed to allow smaller waste products and extra fluid to filter out. And that is to be made into urine. Right. So we want to keep proteins in waste and extra fluid out. Um, which is funny. Now that I think about it, that's probably what's going wrong with my septic tank. oh my god that's so funny it's having a filtration problem (laughs) having a filter it is it is actually having a filtration problem (laughs) anyway off topic um (laughs) so i'm gonna get comfortable for this all right settle in guys settle in (laughs) we're on the magic school bus now um I wonder if that's patented. Maybe I should stop referring to Magic School Bus before we get in trouble. I mean, that's like saying like a person's name. I think I think you're good. Probably. So what happens is blood is going to flow through afferent arterioles into the glomerulus. So we're hitting like basic anatomy and physiology here right now. Right. So blood flows through into the glomerulars. Once inside this, there's something called a glomerular tuft, and then the blood vessels continue to kind of narrow and narrow and narrow and narrow until they form these kind of really tiny spirals of capillaries. Um, Yeah, I think of it as like a net around the the glomeruli. So it's mm -hmm. like they totally surround it, which is really cool. Yep. Yep. And like these capillaries are so small that blood cells pass through like single file like yep which is crazy to me to think that like something gets so small that only a single red blood cell can go through at a time yeah yeah it's it's cool which is why it's a problem for high blood pressure or clots and stuff like kidneys get mad because it's getting tiny tiny vessels you're getting ahead of us oh sorry sorry okay (laughs) because i didn't read these notes ahead of time (laughs) So these, we've talked about this portion before, like we've mm-hmm. talked about podocytes and bag of fish and stuff like that. So, Oh my God. That's, 
That was like two years ago. <laughs> I know. So these capillaries, though, are surrounded by cells called podocytes. And what podocytes do and have, they, they basically have tiny little like protrusions, like almost like tiny fingers. Um, or toes. Yeah, or toes because they're called processes. <laughs> and these encase the capillaries. So what happens is fluid and small molecules flow in between these. It makes me think of the GI tract. Like I'm, I'm picturing the GI tract as I talk mm, about this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so fluid and small molecules flow past and in between these finger-like cells um, while large molecules like proteins specifically can't pass through. Okay. So like you said, like a net. So it's like when you're. Like it's the little stuff. I'm just thinking of like when I go shrimping, like I throw a net and I catch shrimp, but all the little shrimp get out and like don't stay in my net. Exactly. Um, So the cells and so what stays within the, the capillaries, right, is the cells and these large molecules or these proteins that we want to stay within it. And then so they continue to go and exit out the glomerulus through another it's called an efferent arterioli, and then that returns to normal circulation. This is like basically the first step in in filtering the blood, and it's Mm -hmm. driven by, as Yvonne kind of already said, blood pressure as well as like the protein content within the blood. Mm. So the more protein there is, like the the more that's going to kind of recirculate into the bloodstream and less will be filtered essentially. Yeah. Uh, which is what we want. We don't want, we don't know protein's bad. We're going to talk about this. <laughs> like, <laughs> we've talked about this in the past where like, if you're, if your blood is leaking protein, yeah. like, your, your body is in all sorts of disarray. Yep. So when these compounds, so when these proteins and, and, and blood cells are trapped, the body then responds by telling the immune system and the immune defense system to activate and and do its job like it it thinks something's wrong and what tends to happen is when the immune system's like oh cool like i have a job to do and i'm going to take care of these trapped compounds that's actually going to result in damage to the glomeruli because of that inflammation and the infiltration of the immune defenses Mm. it's like that makes sense yeah so oftentimes when we see glomerular nephritis it tends to be due to chronic inflammation so a chronic inflammatory state actually leads to an increased circulation of antigen antibody complexes within the blood Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. so what happens is these little complexes they will like stick to that glomerular membrane and once Mm. they're like because they they see that as in like this is bad this shouldn't be here it's it's an inappropriate response even though it's just technically appropriate like it, it because once those complexes are stuck there on the on the glomerular membrane then it call they they call in other inflammatory cells and then those inflammatory cells essentially what they do is eat a hole through the membrane of the glomeruli um as like a a proper reaction or inflammatory response to the problem but these holes then 
become big enough that it allows proteins to leave the bloodstream. Right. Like I think of it as like a spaghetti strainer, right? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it's, if you've got an old spaghetti strainer, like sometimes the, the holes get bigger and then your, your pasta falls out. It's really sad. That's sad. And proteins, if, you know, if you think back when we talked about like fluid, um, fluid therapy, proteins are, are bigger molecules. So like when we were talking like plasma versus like, so crystalloid versus colloid, right. Mm -hmm. Um, those big proteins are what keeps things in your blood vessels. So if we're losing those proteins, things get leaky. Yeah. Well, and and not to mention, like, it's not just a matter of like losing the proteins. It's also like it, it causes like actual damage to the kidneys themselves. Right. Like, because we're punching holes in things that we shouldn't be punching holes in. (laughs) Right. Other (laughs) things, other things start leaking then too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when we have glomerular disease, we frequently see it with chronic kidney disease in dogs. Um, we can also see it with acute kidney injury in dogs. And then we, it, it doesn't occur as often, but we can occasionally see it in cats with chronic kidney disease as well. Hmm. Um, Interesting. I wonder why I'm, I'm betting it's probably the immune system that's different. Yeah. It's almost like dogs have more of an inflammatory response, but we kind of talk about it because dogs do like, it's not just inflammation within the kidney that causes this damage. Chronic inflammation anywhere in the body, in the body yeah. can cause this damage. And because that area specifically of the glomeruli is so sensitive, it, you know, it's like that part of the the body that just is irreparable. Mm-hmm. So in cats, there was a study um, where the average age of presentation for GN was three to four years old surprisingly 75% of these cats that presented with GN were males but there was no breed uh predisposition frequently like when we do see primary glomerular disease in cats it's often it's most associated with chronic infections so things like feline leukemia virus FIV or feline um, infectious peritonitis or FIP and so it also has been reported with neoplasia and systemic inflammatory diseases, but we're gonna, yeah, we're going to see it more with that chronic infection. But again, chronic infection leads to chronic inflammation. And when that infect or when those inflammatory cells are being circulated through the blood, they end up getting trapped near the kidneys. And that's what causes the damage to the kidneys because it's such a small, it's such a small area, right? Like those inflammatory cells have nowhere to go other than to stick to those walls and eat through them. Yeah. And and I think it's really important for people to remember when we're talking about inflammation, Mm -hmm. like that's the immune response to heal things normally. Mm -hmm. But if that inflammation gets out of control, you know, it's like, it's the immune system just acting inappropriately to something happening in the body. So yeah and in a similar study in dogs patients presented between ages four and eight and about 55 percent of those were males but no breed uh predilection for that either however (laughs) there can be a form of like a congenital glomerular nephropathy um Mm. or glomerulopathy and this can be a primary cause of chronic kidney disease in dogs 
And so if we find that hereditary trait in dogs, we it's been reported to be in several different breeds. So including Cocker Spaniel, well, English Cocker Spaniels, English Springer Spaniels, Bernese Mountain Dogs, uh, Dobermans, Greyhounds, Los Opsos, Poodles, Rottweilers, Shih Tzus, um, t- uh, Wheaton Terriers, everything. Like That's a lot breed. of breeds. That's crazy. It's fancy breeds. Uh, <laughs> 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 those are those are not super fancy breeds those are like so, normal breeds no normal breeds are labs <laughs> and goldens i guess it depends on what part of the world you live in <laughs> I guess. i'm like i live in the san francisco bay area i'm like those That's are all true. normal breeds what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> sorry That's really we'll agree funny. to disagree on that all right, yeah. <laughs> you're probably but, like um hounds you probably have a lot of hounds in your area yeah those are normal breeds oh yeah no see i see no hounds in my area oh really yeah there's a hunting club like not too far from my house so like definitely not a hunting club (laughs) near my house (laughs) we hear like if like occasionally it's mostly on the weekends but if we go outside like you can hear just beagles just beagles barking no i live in the san francisco bay area all the neighbors would kill each other Oh my god, all we have here is beagles, <laughs> beagles and GSPs. That's it. Just Oh, yeah, no. Those are those are not normal breeds in my area. See? And I'm pretty sure sh- what the state dog for South Carolina is a Boykin Spaniel, so <laughs> I vaguely know what that is. You're going to make me Google now. I mean, it looks like a spaniel, just dark brown, liver colored. Yeah, it's uh but then you have georgia oh, it's cute it is cute I, I love boykins but then you have georgia whose state dog is a bulldog and you're like come on oh, of course it is. <laughs> it's of the, that's because of the college yeah i know but it's just like in georgia you really need the that breaky cephalic breed here in the heat like <laughs> right anyway we're getting off topic so we we kind of already talked about how chronic inflammation can lead to uh glomerular disease so again this is because when we have chronic inflammation it tells the body to produce antigen and antibody or well antigen antibody complexes right and those antigen antibody complexes circulate in the blood so again just kind of re- retracing our steps here that just because the inflammation seems to affect the kidneys it doesn't always stem from the kidneys So we can have things like chronic ear or skin infections that can generate these antigen antibody complexes. Uh, Especially like longstanding dental disease or periodontal disease. Of course, we, you know, being internal medicine, we can have some of those hard to find internal infections, uh, (laughs) things like Lyme disease, prostate infection, or lichia, heartworm disease. And then cancer can do whatever it wants. So tumor can even generate enough of an immune system's response to lead to this sort of reaction yeah anything that stimulates the body to produce those antigen antibody (laughs) complexes right and and again those antigen antibody complexes are sticky they stick to the glomeruli (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's not not only that but if you have a patient that has other immune diseases i don't know they got like autoimmune diseases kind of go hand in hand Mm -hmm. so where you have one you potentially have more 
Oh, for sure. For sure. It's it's like one of those things where you're like, well, your immune system's already confused. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, I don't know what to do. I'm so confused. You, I'm going to attack you. And they're like, I'm part of the body. I don't care. It's really sad. We I picture that a, in my head. We should make a comic. We've talked about this. We should make a comic book series. Yeah, I'm just not the comic book drawer. So me either. We but would Bailey, have to find that. Bailey's starting to draw. And like She draws people really well. I bet you. Mm. give her give her like five years and i bet you she can draw some comics (laughs) anyway um so why why is all this important so what eventually happens after we get damaged to that glomeruli it often leads to proteinuria where we know again that protein is being spilled into the urine so instead of only filtering out the waste and the excess fluid to make urine now we're filtering out the waste the excess fluid and proteins into the urine um and this is going to produce hypoproteinemia within the blood so low protein levels within the blood which then eventually leads to an imbalance of fluid regulation within the body so we can see ascites we can see dyspnea this is going to be due to pleural effusion or pulmonary edema uh of course we can see peripheral edema and for me peripheral edema is definitely that like oh man we we got some protein loss somewhere yeah um and then we can also see nephrotic syndrome, which again is typically the signs that we just talked about where we can see dyspnea and stuff. Like it's, a, it's essentially inappropriate fluid buildup mm. due to the kidneys. So, <laughs> so we can also see things a little bit more, more sooner than when we see like the actual ascites or peripheral edema. We can see, uh, just body condition score being a little off not a little off we can see like a drastic loss of lean body mass um yeah and that's the muscle condition score too that you can see changing yep exactly and then when we think about like the severity of the damage to the kidneys eventually we're going to start seeing signs of chronic kidney disease so a lot of dogs and cats will actually develop either stage three or stage four kidney disease like we talked about in last week's episode when it came to the Mm -hmm. staging and we know that stage three and stage four is pretty significant right that's going to require pretty intensive nursing care at home or in hospital depending on what the pet's symptoms are we can kind of backtrack that a little bit back into stage one or two like we talked about last week but sometimes we might not find this disorder until pets are in stage three or four of chronic kidney disease we talked about systemic hypertension a little bit. So if we have that increased blood pressure, kind of pushing those blood proteins into, well, out of the bloodstream, mm-hmm. then we're going to see proteinuria from that as well. Um, so so I, we'll talk about it a little bit when it comes to like what, what our diagnostics are, but blood pressure is going to be on there. Um, yeah. And the other thing too, to kind of in your head, picture it, the higher blood pressure you have, right, the more t- that pressure is pushing on the wall. So think of your like garden hose or a soaker hose. Think of a soaker hose, right? If you have normal pressure in there, like the normal stuff's going to come out. If you yeah. really jack up that pressure in there, you're going to get bigger holes and things are going to come out faster. So it also perpetuates more protein coming out because now. Not only are the complexes chewing holes into it, but the pressure's ripping those holes bigger. Exactly. It's all sorts of bad. It is really bad. 
And then, and then not only does like protein loss lead to ascites and things like that, but when we have proteinuria, we're going to see a loss of that antithrombin three as well, because that antithrombin three binds to proteins. And so we're going to, we could potentially see a hypercoagulable state in dogs. It's not often seen in cats because it's just unclear on whether or not a hypercoagulable state actually exists in proteinuric cats Mm. um, because clinical signs have not been reported in cats yet. Like they're not the ones to show signs of bleeding or, or hypercoagulation. Yeah. Because cats Hmm. have everything. That's right yeah no kidding <laughs> and I, I wonder if it just falls along those lines where it's like cats do die from like a stroke like episode or an emboli but like it's not reported right mm. like they don't know or, the underlying cause of it yeah exactly proteinuria can also contribute to um thrombosis or platelet hypersensitivity which again mm. can just contribute to more coagulation abnormalities um so typically we can see that though we've talked about this before for sure when we talk about ple but we can oh, yeah. see we can see those thrombocytosis when we see plasma albumin levels that are less than one gram per deciliter oh my god less than one that's scary <laughs> like uh that is a low number i know less than two is like ah i know less I'm, than like, one. <laughs> I'm like 1.8 i'm like oh god you're dying and it's like yeah. less than one i'd be i i don't know if i've ever seen less than one I don't know if I have either, but I've definitely seen the risks of, or like the effects of regulation in less than two. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) And then of course, because we can have things like pulmonary thromboembolism from the low protein levels, we can see severe dyspnea just secondary to that. um, Or because (laughs) we just throw a clot somewhere so they they can have that. And I don't know if we have, have amyloidosis on the sheet. Of things to talk about it falls very lo- like very similarly to glomerular mm. nephritis it's just yeah. a different cause um so we might talk about that at some point differential diagnosis list varies because it really depends on what signs are present right like we've already kind of talked about like we can see ple or protein losing enteropathy compared to protein losing nephropathy um mm. and trying to determine if protein losing nephropathy is due to glomerular nephritis or something else like ehrlichia or, or something it can be kind of hard um it could just be an acute kidney injury it could be chronic kidney disease which is like toxin buildup and not necessarily like damage done to the glomeruli that's leaking protein um toxins neoplasia all this stuff falls on the list when it comes to diagnostics, uh, we can actually diag. We're we're gonna run the basics, right? We're gonna run a serum. <laughs> the internal chem- medicine basics. <laughs> yep. Serum chemistry level, CBC, probably a T four, just to cover all grounds. But a UA is going to be significant in this uh, routine of checking things. So because we can see significant protein loss in the urine that leads to us finding excess protein on our urinalysis. We can also see things like Highland cast, which tells us that there's inflammation within the renal tubules and that's shedding those cells. Mm. Um, and well, Highland casts are actually made up of the proteins that are in the shape of the renal tubules. Interesting. 
which can indicate damage to those structures. But again, because like if you, if they're coming out in the shape of the renal tubule, it's not filtering properly. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, actually. Um, so a urine culture, though, is going to be indicated as well because we want to eliminate things like a bladder infection for the cause of loss. <laughs> we know that we can see protein in the urine due to bacteria in the urine and inflammation yep. within the bladder due to the bacteria. So we really want to try to cover all grounds and make sure that we rule out everything before we truly determine that glomerular disease is, is necessary. We're going to see changes on our chemistry level. So we can see things like our BUN, creatinine, and phosphorus levels are going to be increased. But again, as we kind of talked about last week, those degrees can vary based on the stage of chronic kidney disease that right. is there at the time of diagnosis. Um, our CBC... Again, we kind of talked about this last week. Our CBC can identify things like anemia because, again, the kidneys aren't functioning properly. Our uh, EPO is not working as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to see things like inflammation, infection, or a low platelet count, kind of like we already talked about. Um, and then on our chemistry level, too, I don't know why I didn't just put it in there, but we're going to see a low blood protein concentration on our chemistry and high protein in our urine. Mm. Um, yeah. and you can also see a blood, uh, a high cholesterol level in our blood samples as well, but I, that doesn't trigger much for me when I read that. So I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, oh yeah, I remember that. And then, like I said, we're going to check blood pressure just to make sure that we're going to identify any systemic hypertension that might be at play as well. And then to covering all grounds, we want to do radiographs or an ultrasound of the kidneys to search for things like obvious masses or abnormal kidney shape or size or stones or inflammation that could be, or stones that could be causing inflammation within the kidneys. To definitively actually diagnose glomerular nephritis though, a kidney biopsy is needed. Oh. It's not done often because we can get a presumptive diagnosis based on blood chemistries and urinalysis. Yeah. And the other one, the other test that I know my doctors will do is a UPC ratio. So the urine protein creatinine ratio, um, just to check to see where that's at. And we've talked about UPCs before. You just need to make sure that that's a sample that's collected at home. Um, under low stress levels. Under low stress. I mean, it's not as crazy as like a, um, cortisol yeah. level, but you'd still want them to be you can't uh, a protein creatinine ratio you can submit on a sample collected in house but just just know that it's better if it was collected from home mm -hmm. which you know from cats is almost impossible so that's why it doesn't happen <laughs> you know we talk about gold standards but then we talk about realistic expectations. <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> gold standard versus what practically happens <laughs> Yeah, because too, right? Like a lot of times we're running a urinalysis, urine culture, and UPC all on the same sample, right? Yeah. So when we know that we want to rule out a urinary tract infection, we want to have a clean sample. Yeah. Yep. And we can do that by doing a cystocentesis, but that's not gold standard for doing a UPC, but it's gold standard for doing a urine culture. It's just like they clash, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so true. <laughs> do what's in the best interest of the pet at the time. So when it comes to treatment, the ideal treatment for GN is really, it's internal medicine. 
it's really going to be based on trying to identify the underlying cause, right? So it's really going to be surrounding the fact that we need to figure out what is causing the inflammation, whether it be cancerous disease, whether it be an immune system issue, whether it be an infection, we really want to figure out why the immune systems or the immune complexes are being trapped in that glomeruli. How often does this happen? <clears throat> Not often at all. Like, <laughs> there was a study that showed in about 75 to 80% of glomerular nephritis cases, there was no underlying disease that could be identified at the time Ugh. or could be cured. Like, Right. Because so, if you don't know what the underlying issue is, you can't fix it. yeah so we have to kind of treat what we can treat right so sometimes we see patients being prescribed immunosuppressive drugs and this is going to suppress that body's response to form those immune complexes that antibody Mm -hmm. antigen complex that gets stuck in the glomeruli causing more damage so if we suppress that body's reaction to produce more of those we're going to reduce the amount of damage it's not going to remove the complexes that are already stuck to that glomeruli that have already caused damage it's not going to correct that it's just going to reduce the body's response uh we've talked about this before as well when we talked about low protein levels in the ple episode but mm-hmm. a lot of times these patients are getting put on anti-clotting agents or low dose aspirin and this is just to prevent clotting within the glomeruli specifically but within the body as well. We don't want dogs throwing clots or cats throwing clots because they have low protein levels. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of starting omega-3 fatty acids on anybody in general for (laughs) skin health, for liver health, for just overall health. But in these pets, it actually works to reduce inflammatory response as well and prevents clotting. And it's one of those things too. It's a supplement, right? Like it can't hurt. We know that it's not going to correct the problem, but it's going to help the other agents that we're using to help reduce that inflammatory response and prevent clotting. Special diets we talked about in last week's episode, because we're going to want to prepare the pet for kind of preventing the onset of kidney failure or hypertension as well. So we can, we know that we can do this with specialized prescription diets to Mm. help the kidneys cope and low protein diets. Why put more protein in the blood? the proteins leaking out of the blood unnecessarily, like inappropriately. So the other option that we can do is ACE inhibitors. So these are going to be our drugs like enalapril. And this is going to also help kind of control our blood pressure and reduce or not reduce, reduce, minimize protein loss in the urine. And then of course, other medications to help control that high blood pressure as well. Yep. Treating the symptoms, not treating the disease. (laughs) Well, it's the symptoms and just hopefully like minimizing the progression of it. Cause you know, if we can, if we can help prevent it from getting bad or help prevent it from getting worse, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, that's the, the goal. Yeah. It's all about quality of life, right? Like we really Mm -hmm. want to make sure that we extend pets quality of life, make them comfortable. And it's not always possible to do all these things for clients (laughs) because especially immune suppressive drugs, they're, well, I guess it depends on which ones. Yeah. But you know, there's things that we can do to help the pet in the moment while the damage is already done by the time of diagnosis. Like there's things that we can help 
to reduce further damage. And that's, that's going to be the end goal. So when it comes to client communication, I think a lot of this is going to stem around like, again, lifelong medications, right? Like yeah. this isn't just because they're feeling well and the pitting edema has gone away or their ascites has gone away. doesn't mean we can stop this medication because it's going nope. to come back. Uh, low protein diets again, because we don't want to be putting protein into the bloodstream unnecessarily when the mm. body can't control the amount of protein that stays in the bloodstream. So we so this is also one of those times where you use like a, a good quality protein. Um, so they can, it's like the bioavailability, right? So making mm -hmm. sure that they can, they have that high quality protein. So whatever protein they do get, they hopefully use more of versus a high amount of protein that's going to cause problems. So, yeah. And we really want clients to know what to expect, right? Like at some point things are going to worsen for the pet. Mm -hmm. And so people need to be aware of what to watch out for, whether it be vague signs like vomiting, diarrhea, lethargy, decreased appetite, uh, things like that, that are going to indicate that, all right, Hey, the body might be struggling now to really shed those toxins. Cause again, if we have mm -hmm. our kidneys not functioning properly, then like, yes, toxins are getting, you know, pushed out into the urine, like they're supposed to be. Right. But they can also like build up when like the flow of blood and like toxins and things like that isn't going as naturally as it should. So we really want to tell parents what to watch out for when it comes to just further disease of the pet. Mm. And then of course, too, because we have the risk of clotting, they need to be on the lookout for things like respiratory changes, yep. pain, lethargy, things like that. So I think that's going to be the hardest part for technicians to talk about. And I feel like it often gets overlooked because we assume that if something changes, the client's going to call, but they don't mm -hmm. always know that like vomiting every day is yeah. a change that could indicate toxins. Right. Well, and, and this is one of those places where when we can have that communication or create like a client handout or, you know, just give them information because it is, it, it is going to be one of those long-term diseases. So, you know, the more information we can give them, the less Googling they're doing. <laughs> well, and the less unnecessary calling they're doing for us. Like, yeah. You know, so and it, it it's one of those things where we just have to educate clients properly mm -hmm. and tell them there's a lot of good resources. I got a lot of the resources from like DVM 360, mm -hmm. uh, Merck Veterinary Manual is amazing, of course. And, you know, VCA hospitals have really great client facing like handouts on a mm. lot of diseases so they have a very good option too that if a pet's diagnosed it it essentially runs through everything we talked about in this episode what's going mm. on in the body what they can expect at home what they can expect for treatment nice. and things like that so yeah. try to utilize things like that in your client in your clinic to help mm -hmm. educate clients just to direct them and give them a general sense as to what's going on yeah. And veterinary Especially, partner is another one I see it listed. I yeah. love veterinary partner because it also has really good, like client facing things that you can email or, or print out for them too. And I, I'm a big proponent to handouts in general, because like mm -hmm. when you're in the moment, like when a client is there and they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're taking in all this information, it's, it's overwhelming. So overwhelming. Right? <laughs> and so like they get in the car and they're like, wait, what, what did yeah. I just talk about? So giving them a handout that just reiterates everything you, you just talked about is 
perfect. It increases client compliance. It increases client trust in what you're mm-hmm. saying and what you're doing in your practice. And it brings clients back. And that's yeah. what we want, right? We want to make sure that pets are getting the help that they need. And we want to make sure that clients are well prepared for what's happening. Yeah. And here's a food for thought, because I think we've talked about it before, but if you have a patient that's hospitalized for one of these diseases or any disease really, and you know for sure what it is, like kidney disease, diabetes, anything like that, especially if it's a new diagnosis, you know, give them that information during that first initial, like that first day. Mm -hmm. And then that way they have that information. They're ruminating on it while their pet's in the hospital. And then by the time they come for the release, you know, they, they understand more and they can ask questions that are more specific to like their dog or cat at that point. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget to do that sometimes that we're like, oh, now it's just charge time. Well, they've just spent the last three to five days Googling things. Yeah, exactly. So like give them some stuff ahead of time. Give them the opportunity to ask the questions once they've had time to process. Yeah. Yep. You know, which it's the tip of the week. (laughs) Tip of the week. My tip of the week is going to be utilize client handouts. There we go. Woo! (laughs) Yeah. I like that. It's so simple and there's so many good resources out there for it. Yeah. Yeah. And now for the question of the week. I'm going to say question of the week um, to kind of piggyback on the tip of the week Mm -hmm. is does your clinic have standard client education? Um, and is it stuff that you guys have produced in house or are you, you utilizing, know, utilizing other resources and, and is it something that's kind of standardized for your clinic? Yeah. And if you are using outside sources, like resources for this, what do you use? Yeah. 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 This, this is a good educational episode this week. <laughs> As opposed to the other weeks when we're not so educational. I mean, people still listen to us. <laughs> this is like, true. <laughs> like lasagna. We must be doing something. <laughs> We're doing something right. <laughs> so, By the way, um, to round back to uh, the state dog, I did look it up. California state dog is the, um, is the shelter pet. Oh, that's sweet, California. Oh, my God. Way to go, California. Apparently, we're not the only ones to do it. But I was like, oh. It's all-inclusive. Yeah. Pretty much anything. Rescue dog, shelter pet. Apparently, Colorado also did that. So, yeah. Nice. I was going to say, I bet you Florida's state dog is going to be a greyhound just because they had all those greyhound racing tracks. (laughs) But it's actually a Catahoula leopard dog, which I do love those dogs. Is it really? Yeah. Hmm. Isn't that so interesting? It's a random breed, I feel like. But a Catahoula leopard dog, essentially, is just a mix. Like, it's a mutt. The Catahoula is the Louisiana state dog. Oh, I was wrong. Florida doesn't even have a state dog listed. Come on, Florida. Nope. So only 13 states have official state dogs. (laughs) Look at us learning something. Alaska's Alaska Malamutes. (laughs) I would Shocker. hope so, right? <laughs> Georgia says the adoptable bulldog. I call bull on that because I'm pretty certain it's a bulldog just because of the Georgia bulldogs. Louisiana's- so on um, the Wikipedia site, it says the English bulldog and the golden retriever. So there's two state dogs for Georgia. Get it together, Wikipedia. 
Maryland's a Chesapeake Bay Retriever, which I get. Oregon is a Newfoundland. <laughs> nice. Massachusetts nice. is the Boston Terrier. Of course it is. It has to New be Ham- in Boston. New Hampshire's a Chinook. Chinook. And then New York is working dogs. Good New dog. Jersey is the seeing eye dog. Oh, I like that. Good job, New Jersey. I like it. North Carolina is a plot hound. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. Pennsylvania's Great Dane. There's South Carolina with a Boykin. Texas is a blue lacy. That's pretty. Ooh, she's cute. That is cute. <laughs> I'm just gonna call them all girls because it's a, a lacy. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. The entire breed is female. Yes, exactly. There's no boys. How'd they keep going? They don't. Ah! <laughs> Let's see. Virginia has the American Foxhound. Wisconsin has the American Water Spaniel. <laughs> yeah. yeah us. There you go. Some extra fun facts for you at, at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't like learning about glomerular nephritis, you learned about state dogs. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All you other states that don't have a dog, you got, um, you can start a proposal for a state dog. Some Why states not? eventually going to get a pit bull. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a shelter dog, sadly. That's true. Are any pit bulls actually just full pit bulls at this point? I know. I'm so sad. If you love me a good pit bull though. Oh, I do. Mm-hmm. Matt and I got into an argument the other day because he called Pua a pit bull and I was like, she's not a pit bull. He's like, she's a pit bull. I was like, she's not a pit bull. We had literally one of the puppies DNA tested. Right? Like, she's an American bulldog. Same thing. I was like, it's not the same thing. It's not the sir. same thing. Different, <laughs> different breeds. <laughs> I was like, if you're going to just like abbreviate it, what she is, I was like, just call her a bully. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Anyway, there's my uh, <sighs> read soapbox for a moment. Anyway, I hope everybody has a fantastic week. Thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. And happy Thanksgiving if you celebrate it. Happy family dinner night if you don't. And yeah, as you say, it's uh, 2024 uh, or 2020. Oh my God. Apparently, please edit that out. It is 2022 Thanksgiving holiday season however you celebrate in america in america if you do indigenous day that's also really cool either way have a wonderful week everybody (laughs) bye guys thank you for listening to today's episode of the internal medicine for vet techs podcast If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettex.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.